0: all right so we're on revelation chapter eight
1: when the lamb opened the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about half an hour and i saw the seven angels who stand before god and seven trumpets were given to them you
2: there for one second
1: well I want to let me read this whole thing and then I'll we'll come back another angel holding a gold censer came and stood at the altar he was given a large amount of incense to offer together with the prayers of all the saints on the gold altar that was in front of the throne and the smoke of the incense went up from the hand of the angel before God together with the prayers of the saints the angel took the censer filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth Then there came crashes of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first sounded his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood, a third of the creatures that live in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a huge star blazing like a lamp fell from the sky. It fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. Many of the people died from these waters because they had been made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck as well as a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them became dark and there was no light for a third of the day and likewise for the night then i looked and i heard a single eagle flying in the middle of the sky saying with a loud voice "Woe, woe, woe to those whose home is on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blast of the three angels who are about to sound their trumpets all right larry uh
2: an hour yes there's time in heaven
1: Well, that is a really good question. Uh, That there's silence here. And I want to focus on the silence. Why is silence such a striking thing here? Just, I guess maybe even silence in general. What's that? Okay. Yeah. Everything. There's always noise going on. Uh, I I was thinking of this too as I was reading it, uh, because we're in we're in October and there's all these promotions on the Peacock channel for horror movies. If you've ever watched horror movies, how do you know? have Have you ever watched a horror movie with the sound off? It's not very scary. What do? What does? Uh, the music and the sound effects for a horror movie, what does it strike in you? How do they build tension? Slower and slower. Yeah, or all of a sudden there's silence and you know there's something coming, you know, and then all of a sudden, then there's a screeching sound and Jason pops out or Freddy Krueger, whatever horror movie you're watching, right? Or Think of Jaws. You guys all seen Jaws. What was the music for Jaws? Dump, 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 dump. Yeah, and you heard that. And what did you know? You didn't have to see it because the shark didn't work in that movie, right? And it made a much better movie because you didn't see it. But there's silence, and then there's sound. And just focusing on that silence here because we're not used to silence, like. Like Sandy said, even in Lutheran worship,
3: there's
1: always someone's talking, someone's singing, whether it's me, the organist, uh, the people, and the same thing now in heaven is always singing, always praising. And I think there's silence. So I want you to be to catch on to that silence because now that's a signifier that something eerie is lying ahead. And then the Larry's point about the time. With all of this, don't don't put too much emphasis on like a half hour. The thirds—it's just try, trying to say that's a short period of time. Exactly. Yeah. It's
2: also made me
1: think of the calm before the storm. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a good way of putting it. The, the calm before the storm because there's a storm coming, right? With these trumpets. Uh, so the picture I have on the screen is another image I found of. The Lamb with the seven seals, because now uh, those the seventh seal is being opened. So we spent time last week looking at the previous seals. Now the seventh seal is opened, uh, and then you've got the the angel with the censer. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, so what is And what is that talking about? Uh, It's that the smoke from the incense on the altar is going up to God. And so remember, we saw in the fifth seal that when it was open, there were the saints under the altar. So they're asking God to avenge their blood. And now God is getting ready to answer their prayers. And God is answering their prayers by sending judgment on the world. So the same coals that sent the smoke of the prayers of God's people up to God are tools that God is going to use to punish the people. But notice as we're looking at here, that third, uh, a third of the sun, a third of the stars, a third of the seas and so forth are destroyed. That's saying that these are warnings for a greater judgment
0: that's coming. I
3: just this related
2: to what's going on
1: on the planet right now well yep that's what we'll look at as we look more closely at it uh so uh the seven trumpets so these are some ancient and some newer pictures of the trumpets how did people use the trumpets in the ancient world
0: as opposed to the way we use trumpets
1: Yeah, exactly. They weren't using trumpets necessarily to make music. They were using them as warnings, uh, warning that an enemy was approaching. Uh, Yesterday, I went down, I I always biked to the middle school for catechism class, and I biked downtown where uh, Pastor and Abby Lightman live on Wisconsin Avenue, and uh, their son Micah was biking to. To school so I'll bike with him too and as we were biking to school I said hey your mom said you want to bring your trombone sometime she said well mom will drop it off So, said well we could strap it onto you but he's got his backpack too and he said well I could get one of those bike carriers and I said yeah except the trombone is going to hang off the end or it's going to hang off sideways like this and you're going to hit cars or cars are going to pass you and hit it uh a trumpet would fit fit better, you know, just a nice little trumpet right on the backpack around the, the bike rack. Uh, but he's using those those instruments a trumpet a trombone for music. These are saying there is, uh, there is judgment that's coming. And with these seven trumpets they are intensifying uh, the judgments brought by the seven seals. Uh, so. Here's another uh, image then of of the seven trumpets. You can kind of think of those long trumpets just to blow a horn, just to say there's a warning coming and then you see the censor behind. And then with these trumpets, so the first trumpet, think of uh, the plagues. I just covered this this week with my eighth grade catechism class as we're studying the Old Testament, going through each major event and we're studying the plagues. Again, I keep uh, bringing this up that everything in Revelation is just found elsewhere in scripture. So, So with the first trumpet, how does that tie in to one of the plagues? So the first Trumpet sounded and what comes down on the earth? Okay, what was one of the plagues on Egypt? Hail, hail! It was, yeah, it wasn't fire, but but hail came down, and I told the kids, not like the little hail that we might get here. This is this is devastating. How about the second trumpet?
0: What does it bring about?
1: Yeah, burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood so it was one of the what was the first plague so the first plague was uh the nile river turning into blood all the water and all that in all the sinks and all of the containers in egypt turned to blood the third trumpet again blood is referred to and again think of how bitter it was for the Egyptians and then the fourth trumpet what does it bring about
0: the darkness and what was
1: the ninth plague on Egypt just before the plague of the firstborn it was darkness a darkness for that lasted three days that was something that the Holy Spirit says that you could feel. So I asked this class of my eighth graders yesterday, I'll ask this of you. When was the last time you were someplace so dark that you could feel it?
0: I think if you've gone to like a mammoth
1: cave or something like that, you know, you're walking in, it's got lights and it's fine. But when they turn the lights off, did they do it in Alcatraz where they turned the lights off? Yeah. in a cell of a solitary confinement. It was terrifying. Yeah. We had a bunch of people in there with us. It was terrifying. Why was it terrifying? It was just so quiet and you couldn't you had no sense of anything or yeah. anybody
2: around, but even though there were a lot of us who walked in
1: I can't have a sense of yep, and that's that's the thing, and that's what I was trying to get at—that no sense of others being there, and then you can understand why solitary confinement is so terrifying. You know, people might think, "Hey, I get a rest," except you have no concept of time.
2: You to, uh, William Shatner's mm. trip to space. No. when no. he came, you he went up for twelve minutes. Yes, I, I was going to mention that. And when he came, when uh, he came back down and they interviewed him, he was like visibly shaken. He said, "From going from the sky blue into blackness." He said, "It went from blue, and then all of a sudden it was just black." He said, "You know, you think you're up there in the stars, but it was black, and it shook him up." He said, was like, it was like death." Well, he, said mm-hmm. it was he said above, it was, above the blue death. He so it's such yeah. a little area we live in. He said it was it was death above yeah. the blue, it was the most beautiful blue he had ever seen in his mm. entire life in his 90s. I thought, how could you not believe that after going through this, that said it just we went into blackness all so black? Mm-hmm. He was crying. I mean he would he was emotional, you just couldn't it.
1: Yeah. And then just bring that up because of you know that that what's being brought on the world in these these trumpets just harkens back to the plagues that are brought on Egypt and again we see a third verses 7 through 12 Uh, these are going to be the same kind of judgments that are brought upon the earth in chapter 16 but here it's a third that only a partial a portion of the earth is destroyed but when God brings the final judgment, everything is destroyed. So what we're seeing here is this is a warning. How why is God warning the earth? What's he trying to do?
2: Yeah,
1: get your act together, right?
2: where on earth was the third burned up and the third
1: burned up? What's that? oh this is all symbolic stuff of just saying of leading to that final judgment not that this happened yeah but it's it's all a call to repentance Uh, verse 11 do you know what wormwood is yeah okay wormwood in the gall. Yeah, wormwood is a plant that tastes very bitter, and all the waters tasted bitter as a result of this of this disaster. Uh, so here, the star is probably referring to the devil, the devil being cast down, or it's one of the demons. So have you ever, any of you ever read C.S. Lewis' The Screwtape Letters? We did a Bible study. We did. A Bible study. We did a, Lutheran book club on it. Do you remember what the, uh, yeah, so one of the demons, the nephew demon, he's writing to Screwtape, his uncle. And Screwtape is writing back, well actually it's, then Screwtape is writing back letters to Wormwood who's uh, tempting an English guy during World War II. And Screwtape refers to him as the patient. And so, uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote that book, he uses that name, Wormwood, because that name refers to either the devil or a demon here. And notice, though, the, though God is in control of the world, Satan is an instigator of natural disasters. Uh, but Satan can only do this by God's permission. So, so this huge star that fell you're saying was the devil? Or it's, it is the devil or one of his demons that's coming down to earth to make everything bitter. So this is not a physical star that comes to earth.
0: Because otherwise if a star came to earth it would destroy everything.
1: So list some of the warning judgments God is sending into this world. Just think of things that are going on in our world right now? I think the
2: pandemic I think it's one of them. Okay. You know, so many people that have died. So there's only thousands of people now that have left the earth.
1: Okay. So when you see uh, illnesses like this, that's a warning. What else? What forest fires go on right
0: now. Okay,
1: forest fires.
2: There was hail and
1: down um, south, I can remember if Tennessee or Oklahoma, but that was baseball size. Oh wow, baseball size hill. Okay, what else? Oh, we've had earthquakes
2: and we've had, uh, or you know,
1: floods, fires, um, hurricanes. yeah, right? Hurricanes. You know, we we don't have usually have famines here. We did it, you know, just before World War I, the Great Depression, but. Uh, I was like reading the news today and you see all the empty shelves. And that's more of man-made stuff. You see all these shipping containers off the coast. They, they can't get, get here. And what is that gonna do? What's gonna cause shortages for us? And all of those kind of things are these thirds. These are all warnings that have been going on from John's day. That's one of the things someone asked me the other day, they asked about uh, the sign of the beast that we'll get to in a few chapters, if it was a certain thing. I'm not gonna tell you what that is until we get to that chapter. And I said, no, it can't be that. What this person mentioned, I said that might be a sign of this, but it can't be that because everything in Revelation has to have meant something to the original listeners, the original readers. Okay, so it had to mean something to John's people, the people to whom John is writing, and it has to mean something to us. And if the earth continues for another 2000 years, it has to mean something to them. So all of these things that we see going on, you mentioned of you know, earthquakes and hail and forest fires and uh, shortages of food, those are all these thirds. Uh, these are the warnings. You can hear, if you're listening closely, you can hear the trumpets blasting. These are the warnings for us and others to repent.
2: So, the whole idea of this chapter is God's warning. Yep.
1: Warm,
2: it's, it's
1: the other yeah, that's it. We could, we, yeah, we could, if we were writing uh, the chapter titles, you, maybe you can talk to Professor Brug, maybe Larry can have a chapter title, get your act together for chapter eight. All right, chapter nine. So if you thought eight was hard to understand, nine is even harder. Okay, chapter nine. Then the fifth angel sounded his trumpet. So we heard the first two, first four. Now the fifth. Then the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen out of heaven to the earth, and the key to the pit of the abyss was given to him. So it's that's a hymn. He opened the pit of the abyss and smoke came up out of the pit like the smoke from a huge furnace. The sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the pit and out of the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given the kind of power that scorpions of the earth have. They were told not to harm the earth's grass, any green plant, any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. Indeed. They were not given permission to kill these people, but only to torture them for five months. And the pain they cause is like the pain caused by a scorpion when it stings a person. In those days, people will seek death, but will certainly not find it. They will long to die, but death will escape them. The locusts looked like horses ready for battle. On their heads were what appeared to be crowns that were like gold. Their faces looked like human faces. They had hair that looked like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates that appeared to be made of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots and horses charging into battle. They had tails with stingers like those of scorpions, and in their tails they had power to hurt people for five months. They have the angel of the abyss over them as their king. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he has a name Apollyon. One woe is past. Look, after these things, two more woes are coming. Then the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and it heard a voice speak from the four horns of the gold incense altar that is before God. It is said to the sixth angel, the one with the trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for this hour, day, month, and year were let loose so that they could kill a third of the people. The number of soldiers on horseback was 200 million I heard their number, and this is what I saw in the vision of the horses and their riders. They had breastplates that were fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire and smoke and sulfur. As a result of these three plagues, the fire and the smoke and the sulfur that came out of their mouths, a third of mankind was killed. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like snakes that have heads which they have which they use to cause injuries the rest of the people who are not killed by these plagues do not repent of the works of their hands by giving up their worship of demons and idols of gold silver bronze stone or wood which cannot see hear or walk and they did not repent of their murders their sorceries their sexual immoralities or their thefts all right what in the
0: world is going on here
1: to skip it.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, so the first four trumpets were what? Those were physical plagues on the Earth. Now, this next trumpet is, is different. What is this referring to? If the first four were physical plagues, this is yeah, it's spiritual so what is this talking about this fifth trumpet represents the damning delusions that are brought about by satan he is that fallen star he is the one that fell to the earth now these delusions cannot kill the body but what can they do yeah they kill the spirit they torment the soul so badly, what do the people who are tormented by these false doctrines want to do?
0: Die. They want to
1: die. This is how bad, this, so these are false teachings. So what do, what do these things look like? So here's one, one image of these locusts. So how are the locusts pictured by John?
2: My question is how <laughs>
1: nope so here's one image here's a close-up
0: kind of like monsters. yeah
1: so it has a human face and a crown of gold and long human hair they have horses hooves and a scorpion's tail and wings and maybe, yeah, they don't look a whole lot like our idea of locusts. And yet, what is the idea of locusts? You don't just have
0: one locust.
1: Yeah, a swarm. So you don't just have one false teaching. What do you have? You have many swarms of false teachings. Uh, verse 1, the key to the shaft of the abyss. So there's a similar imagery in chapter 20 we'll look at later on. Uh, So Satan is being allowed to exercise his power and authority on earth for a limited amount of time. Uh, Notice he's not the one that comes out of the abyss. We'll see him as the dragon that comes out later, but he is the one who releases them. So how do you know that these aren't physical locus that they're not like real things and these are the things you have to look at in scripture is that is there really a key to hell you know to unlock it and they'll open up this big pit no it's picture language so if this is picture language then uh, all of these have to have be picture you can't take something literally when some when everything else around it is figurative or symbolic so for example, I remember reading this back when I was uh, in college. Uh, so this is a book that was published in the 70s. Uh, have you ever re- heard of Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth? Okay, so that was a book he read, he wrote in the 70s it became very popular. If you read the book, so you have to understand where they're coming from, where Hal Lindsay and others are coming from is they have a wrong way of reading Revelation. They think most of it is literal or it's figurative. So he said that these locusts with their wings and the scorpion's tails were Apache helicopters. Okay. Because that was that was a time of, you know, with the Cold War with Reagan and so forth. And he thought that this was going to be a war that was coming. Uh, and he said that all of this was going to happen in 1988 the year I graduated high school. Well, that didn't happen, did it? But I, I remember that imagery and then went back and looked it up. Yeah, then that's the that's the issue where you take something that is Meant to be uh, symbolic, and you make it literal. And like I said before, it has to mean something to John's day too. They didn't have Black Hawk helicopters in two thousand years ago. They're probably not going to have Black Hawk helicopters either. They'll have something else. So it can't just mean one thing in one sense of time. So, can you think of false teachings in our world, in our history of our world, or even today that sting like scorpions and torment people?
2: I'm saying locusts are like
3: false teachings. Yeah. I
2: was thinking
1: about what Larry's saying. And I forgot what he was saying. Yeah, so what, what kind of teachings, false teachings either today or throughout the history of our world sting like scorpions and torment people's souls?
2: Well, the Muslim religion for starters. Okay. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, with Christ as God for starters.
1: Yeah, so you've got the Muslim religion. And then they will they will put you to death if you are not muslim or if you if you're the wrong kind of muslim and if you convert to christianity okay so definitely the muslim religion would be
0: a scorpion like this what else
2: yeah
1: so hindu buddhism so with muslim you know that is those are the dominant religions in the world along with christianity uh, i read a, an article you can find it on our facebook page uh, it's so jeff Zondeg is our pr- church president his son uh, just graduated from the seminary and was called to be uh, go to the is it the philippines i think it's the philippines and he said in the, this is a real short video, two minutes interviewed at the seminary library. Only 1% of the nation is Christian. You know, think of, you know, they've got to have millions of people there and 1% are going to heaven. The rest are trapped by these locusts, these uh, false teachings. Anything else?
2: Think of uh, the drugs that are like heroin and all these drugs that are destroying people's lives uh, to the point where I think a lot of people that are addicted probably would like to die, like the Bible says. Okay. They're destroying
3: people.
0: Yep.
1: And you can even think of false doctrines that torment Christians. Uh, Last night while I was working on things in the kitchen, I was listening to one pastor that was talking about this is if you remember Benny Hinn he was very popular for a long time this is his nephew and his nephew in in his teachings right now is saying that Christians can become perfect that you can get rid of sin which is exactly the opposite of the what scripture says right it's what we believe as Lutherans that we're born in sin we live in sin Luther says we're saint and sinner Okay, but uh, that's a false teaching and the people in the crowd. So I expect there's going to be false teachers like this. But when you've got people in the audience, his church, that are cheering for this because they don't read scripture, they are trapped and they're being stung by these scorpions.
2: So it doesn't seem like it's just false doctrines that these things represent. Uh, it could be, you know, really any kind of sin and temptation that people are
1: confronted with. I don't think it's necessarily sin and temptation. This is, from everything I've read, this is you know, the Satan's lies, his, his false teachings that get out to well, it to sting, well, would sting people.
2: would be that, you know, you can find happiness and wealth or something like that, you know, or you don't.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I think it's it's that the coordinated effort of teaching, of a false teaching, and uh, you anyway, know, because we're going to come up with our own things and our own with our sinful nature. But this is coming up from from Satan, who then can ally itself with our sinful nature. Uh, verse eleven, it calls uh, this angel of the abyss, who's the king of the demons, calls him Abaddon and Apollyon. Evanon in Hebrew, Apollyon in the Greek. If you look down at the bottom of your, of your Bible, it says that the name is the same in both languages, it's destroyer. That's a good name for the devil, isn't it? Destroyer. Wait,
2: wait, the pope. It
1: on, on the I would think the Pope would definitely be in there. Uh, I read something where one of his archbishops was talking about that the Pope is definitely in favor of a one world order which is kind of scary. And that's coming from inside. That's, that's not us as Lutherans saying, well, this is what the Pope says. This is from someone inside the church. But we're going to see the papacy specifically in chapter 13 with the beast out of the, out of the land, who allies himself with the beast out of the sea, which is the government that persecutes Christians. And then, so you have the apostate church Working with the persecuting government of chapter thirteen, working with the uh, the great dragon of the devil of chapter twelve. So there's a lot of enemies coming at us. So not only we have a dragon, we've got two beasts, and we've got these scorpions. But notice who whom do these scorpions
3: affect?
0: And you know
1: that they're they're, uh, spiritual ones, not physical ones, because they're told not to eat the earth's grass or any green plant or any tree. That's that's what locusts do. Instead, they are to go after people, except which people? Uh, Verse 4,
0: right at the end of verse 4.
1: who are the people who have the seal on their foreheads believers us the seal of our baptism the seal of christ on our head to our heart marking us as redeemed children of god so we need to be aware of these false teachings but because we have christ protecting us we don't have to these aren't going to be affecting us they're only affecting the people that are not christians okay
0: All right, anything with those? Then the sixth trumpet.
1: So the sixth trumpet concerns the end, just as the sixth seal did. So that the final onslaught of unbelievers against the church will take place right before Jesus returns. So there's, in verse 13, the golden altar. This is the same altar we saw in the introduction in verses 1 through 5. And the voice speaks from the altar. Uh, The Lord may here remind us that even the final onslaught against the church is an answer to the prayers of the saints. God's people pray that Jesus will come soon. And the final onslaught must happen before the end comes. Uh, So now, verse 14, the four angels, we met these. Earlier in chapter 7. Before that time they were prevented from wreaking harm on the earth. Now they're re- released. So some have said that these are evil angels. And yet I think we can properly understand that these are God's angels. So just as God brought judgment on 185,000 Assyrians. in one night so he can release his angels to bring about his destruction. <coughs> when they
2: say a third of the people, it's not literally a third, right?
1: It just means a lot of people. Correct. And it's not all the people because we'll see later on. Again, part of Revelation is, like they keep saying, is you look back at elsewhere in Scripture because elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus said in Matthew 24, there are going to be false teachers and false Christs. Well, those false teachers and false Christs are pictured here in chapter 9 as the locus. Uh, so you see that, but also these visions of the seven trumpets, the seven seals, the seven bowls, they're all exactly the same thing. It's just the, the same vision over and over again, but with greater intensity. Okay. So verses 16 through 19, that seems to picture the horrors of war. So just, these are some of the images of what's going on. It's just kind of weird picture language. But why is the Euphrates chosen here? Where did God's enemies always
0: come from? And they came from across the Euphrates,
1: Babylon, Assyria. Those were Israel's great enemies. So when it says bound to the great river Euphrates, it's saying that uh, Assyria and Babylon, they could not mount their attacks on Israel and elsewhere until the spring floodwaters had receded. They were bound where they were. And what the saying here is that as devastating as these enemies from across Euphrates, the picture is God's enemies, are going to be on God's people, God has bound them there until he releases them.
0: Uh, So Larry brought this up in
1: verse 18, a third of mankind was killed. So the final onslaught of Satan against God's people will clearly include general lawlessness and national strife, as Jesus said in Matthew 24. And that's, that's the big thing. If you really want to understand Revelation, just read Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is easy to understand. And then Revelation is much more difficult, but it's really picture language of Matthew 24. But he said, the love of most will grow cold. How do you see the love of most growing cold today?
0: The empty churches. Empty churches is one.
3: Is that it. So so much is being
2: written and said against about the Christian religion.
1: Yep, so much said and written against the Christian religion. And, and it doesn't even have to be about against Christians or, uh, or the church. You know, last night I, while I was at Bell's practice, I was reading my, my book in the car. And I heard uh, a couple of guys behind me. And it's hard to concentrate on the book. But it was they were talking politics. And, you know, one guy was saying, are you saying this? Are you saying that? And if you listen to people, there's no room for discourse anywhere, is there? It's this side or that side. It can be in anything. It can be about masks. It can be about vaccines. It can be about mandates. It can be about a wall. It can be about Afghanistan. It can be about abortion, whatever it is. And there's no room in the middle to actually talk about things, right? to actually see if you can come to an agreement, change people's minds. It's one thing or the other. And why is that? The love of most has grown cold. We don't really care what other people think. What we care about is being right. And so that even affects us as Christians. The love of most has grown cold. Uh, And so then that creates strife. Uh, Reading articles of saying that even, um, you know, is there going to be a, a civil war in America? You can see
0: it building. both
2: yeah. sides are starting to rise
1: up. Oh. Yep. And you've seen that throughout history. That's Matthew 24. You've seen these signs building up forever. I was listening to something else yesterday, and uh, they talked about you know, can we remain the United States of America? And the point was, you know, other countries, you're united around something. And the commentator was saying, is there one thing in America that everyone can agree on? he was trying to come up with one thing that every citizen would agree on. And I'd be hard pressed to come up with something too. So can we remain the united states of america when we're not really united even around one thing a common culture a common language a common religion common morals
2: boundaries. We our boundaries.
1: yep we boundaries a flag. yeah oh yeah I, a flag so i saw that uh, a number of people were tasked I don't know if it was CNN or New York Times or something like that, that they they tasked people coming up with a new flag. Did you they, see them? they were awful. They were They up Yeah. So the key is, verse, verses 20 and 21, the Lord's judgment. So that's what... Chapters eight and nine are all about that God is bringing judgment on the world. What are the pur- what's the purpose of these judgments? Verse twenty: the rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. Verse uh, twenty-one: and they did not repent of their murders or sorceries. What's the goal? Their last
2: chance to
1: repent. Yeah. God is bringing these things, and instead of uh, bringing these things uh, to punish people, he wants to bring them to warn them. It's you know, like you do with your kids and grandkids, right? All right, got it, Well, I always go back to my grandfather. Better eat what you're doing or the belt comes off. Hey, there's a warning, right? That's the warning of chapters eight and nine. The, God's belt is coming off. Now, I don't think I ever saw any of us 18 grandkids ever get the belt.
3: Okay,
1: God's, My, my grandfather's warnings worked. Well, we pray that God's warnings work on our world and on our nation. But right now, it seems like they're turning a deaf ear to them. So the last question I have on this for you is, what should we Christians bear in mind when we see these visions coming to pass right now yeah you, you cannot repent for other people but you can repent for yourself what else that's a good one
3: I don't
2: think it's, uh, like- Anything that's happening now is new. Mm -hmm. It's been happening forever, really. Earthquakes, and volcanoes, and plagues, and famine. Um,
1: Things like it's been going on. Mm -hmm. So all this has been going on. So these are warnings. Should we get, should we worry about all
0: of this? Should we get upset?
2: I get upset
1: thinking that there's going to be a lot of people that don't make it. Okay. So you get upset that there are going to be people that don't make it. For us as Christians, all of this is warning us, and then we shouldn't send back, oh, at least I'm safe. At least I got the steel in my forehead. And then uh, we can be comforted in that God is in control, He is the one that's sounding the trumpets with his angels he's the one that's bringing out these judgments to get people to repent he's the one that lets wormwood lets the the star that has fallen into the abyss he is the one that allows all of this but at any time he can say enough is enough so then there is that comfort for us but to larry's point is the other thing is we should not sit back and be comfortable and i think this is part of what affects us as Christians, I think it affects us as Lutherans, is that as Lutherans, we have a spirit of quietism. And what I mean by that is we like to be by ourselves. We like to be left alone. And uh, hopefully just people will leave us alone. We'll do our own thing in our church and our school and our high school. Just let us do our thing. And that served us well. But what's, what is the issue of our quietism? The issue, I think, is we've seen this in the past, and it's time again. We have to get out of our homes. we got to get out of our churches. we got to share the gospel. we got to be putting those seals on people's foreheads. The time, of, uh, the time for the church is now. When people are so upset and their love is growing cold, what is the only thing that we have to offer them? We have hope and faith and love. The one thing that they need more now than ever. Well, not maybe more than ever, but throughout history, as people have seen these judgments coming down on them, Christians have been that preaching that message of love and hope and faith. And we got to do that again. So that's what I've got. Any other questions on this? All back to
2: the
1: yes. <laughs> Can't let the locust go.
2: Did anybody ever uh try and decide, you know, each little item there and how you describe them, what they all meant? Like, you know, human face, women's hair, lion's teeth. Did anybody ever say well, you know, was that symbolic for anything in particular? Or was it just to show something that was some kind of monstrosity
0: coming out of?
1: yeah what i have in my notes for it is uh exam examine the details of the symbols of the locust uh, notice what the locust can do uh, uh what makes it clear clear that these are not literal locusts they didn't eat grass or leaves but were able to torment people they're was like that of a scorpion So they had physical characteristics of attacking troops. They had lion's teeth and human hair. Their leader was Satan. And then connecting with that is the smoke and darkness and inability to use death as an escape, bring to mind a condition which people find themselves in. Uh, That the locusts could sting like scorpions, but they couldn't kill. That although people were tormented, they couldn't die. So in scripture, darkness often symbolizes the absence of God and his blessings. Smoke in the air leads to such darkness. The condition being depicted here, which the locusts cause, is people being deceived by false teachings and kept from the truth of the gospel. And and then the last part is, note the locusts only have power over those who do not bear God's seal, God's elect are spared. I think I didn't read more closely on this. If you read uh, the People's Bible on it, uh, you can also read uh, other commentaries. I've got some in my office uh, if they look more closely at them. I didn't look more closely. Because as I was reading this again for you uh, today, I was thinking, man, because this is so hard to understand. I probably read Revelation, these chapters, at least a dozen times just in the last few months of preparing this Bible study for the for the podcast with Pastor Light and... And then to pre- teach it to you and so forth, because it, it's a lot in here. So, but I, I, to answer your question there, you just have to look more at those commentaries. And so. I had a, a
0: t-shirt coming with an acronym for Bible. Best Instructions
2: before
0: leaving earth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Good. So this
2: whole thing is not literal, nothing literal is not all. Yeah. Um, symbolic
1: people that he was writing to understood it. They didn't think he got off the deep end when he wrote this. Or well, I don't I don't know what they thought about John.
2: But again, <sighs> what makes you think about these locusts too is what's you know really going on nowadays, which it maybe has this before, but not to the extent is the lying that's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much lying going on from politicians and it's like it's blatant, and it's, it's they're shameless they'll come out and say something tell you a lion they don't even care and they know they're lying good. they
0: don't care and people buy
1: into it yeah it's like you know nancy Pelosi again this week well, well here let, i'm gonna i'm gonna stop the recording and then we can talk about those kind of things so uh but then go ahead and read chapters uh, 10 and 11 so the the change there's a definite change now from what we've seen in the last few visions and then we're going to start uh, getting into uh, with 10 and 11 and then the next one on the, the dragon and the beasts.